Hello and welcome to Bad at Love Podcast, your everyday wonderful everything that you should always be listening to. Wow, nice. <laughs> I like that. My name is Mallory, one of your hosts. I'm Tamu. I guess I'm the other one. <laughs> and welcome back to listening to us for hey. those of you who are constantly here for us. We appreciate you and we love you. Thanks, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> and California. <laughs> Not even our own home state. Not even your own. <laughs> Uh, I was going to ask you about how many, because we, we've had this discussion when uh, we used to work together in the very beginning. I remember you making fun of me, and you would even make fun of me even more now, oh. is how many shoes do you actually own? Oh, my gosh. You and your four shoes. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> it's even worse now. You probably, like, I, now, okay, so I see you wearing these wellies or whatever, yeah. and I know that it was supposed to rain, but it's not raining, but I just wonder if that's because that's all you have. Well, part of it is actually because at one point I changed into these because I usually keep them in my car, so oh. I actually have my keen, like, sandals. So we basically and were still and at, then like, I actually three brought pairs of shoes, so these, <laughs> my keens. so those, the keens, and the clogs. And some clogs, which are tearing apart so I'm right. not wearing uh-huh. those and then I have cowboy boots but I can't wear the them cow- right now okay. because my ankle doesn't sure that now way right now. yep so four so that four you <laughs> have a dress pair um I have a pair of boots what, those blue shoes what about the ones that you bought when we went to Las Vegas 17 years ago oh my god I don't I think I got rid of those before I went overseas <laughs> I think I did because I was like, I'm not gonna wear these I could get a good price well when you went to see um Hamilton what did you wear on your feet uh, those boots. I have a pair oh, of black okay. boots so were... that have those oh, jewels yeah. that are around them. But those are old, too. They're really old. They're okay. like 10 years. So you have a real job now, and I feel like you can afford to go to I'm waiting to like move. a Nordstrom Rack and buy a pair of fucking shoes. Like, <laughs> goddamn. We've had, really I mean, I honestly, it's just disgusting. It's, 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 it, I am sort of ashamed, but also at this point, I'm also proud. I'm holding out to move because I don't want to move more things and I want to make sure that I have everything in place. You don't want to move that one extra pair of shoes. Oh, heaven forbid. That's an extra box. <laughs> Let's talk about how many you have. Let's move. <laughs> well, I have more than five pairs of fucking shoes. And it's funny because I'm going to start downsizing my shoes. Usually like in the summertime, I just wear a specific set of I toms. like your, yeah, I was going to say, I like those shoes. I need to buy a pair of those because they're pick, comfortable and look good. Uh, usually... Every year I buy a pair, I buy a couple pairs of Toms and I wear them throughout the summer season. The problem is that sometimes you need a leather shoe because it rains. Mm-hmm. Big deal, whatever. You don't want to wear a pair of wellies? No, because that just looks ridiculous. I mean, you look cute today and it's specifically beautiful for this gray ass day that we have today. It's true. But on the regs, no, it's not going to work out. <laughs> and so those are, so I just have like a pair of like BOC born concept shoes like the cheaper version of borns um i have a pair in brown and in black that i usually wear on a regular basis that was that's what i'll wear to work most of the time or now these fancy 30 dollar um lamo boots (laughs) (laughs) in the winter time that's all i fucking or now it's fucking and now today 45 degree weather that feels like so it worked out so that i could still kind of rock them but um (laughs) other than that i've been trying to like I'm going to go through my shoes, actually, in the next couple of weeks and give a bunch of them away to the Goodwill because I'm not wearing them. If I'm not wearing them, they got to go. Obviously, I wear shoes for comfort because I'm an older person and I don't give a shit anymore. The fun part is that now that I'm going to Europe 
in the fall, I have to find fucking boots and shit to wear and not like your boots, not like <laughs> hiking boots or whatever the fuck, but like decent walking boots yeah. that are comfortable, waterproof, leather, blah, 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 blah. Like I have gone through the gamut and I think I finally found a pair. They're very cute. They're purple. Aww. And um, I kind of am in love with them. But now I had I have to get like insoles for them, and so I just bought a bunch and of shoes. And you're gonna have to wear them before. To make and sure I've that been wearing them, in. and they're fine. They good. don't necessarily need to be 100 percent worked in. They're actually pretty good because okay, I've good. worn them to work and back just to okay. make sure that they work. For me, the sizing works and everything else. But I had to take the insoles out of them because they were so very uncomfortable. Oh wow! And bought different insoles, but now you got to cut them and do all this shit with them, oh, and I don't God. have time for all that right now. So. Everything is together and hopefully they're there. And then I will buy a second pair because I wanted to have like a pair for when you wear dark colors and a pair for when you wear like brown colors. So I'm going to get like a blue pair. They're dark navy blue. And then this burgundy wine colored purple that I have. And that will be my – those will be my shoes for Europe. I feel like you need to just like make a list of like, Mallory, here's what your basics should be that you I'm not even talking about it because I have done this in the past. (laughs) I have said, here, take whatever I have and use these things. Like I've given you gap card. I've given you gap gift cards. I've given you gift certificates to use. I'm like, take my old Navy card because I don't wear fancy clothes. Like this is old Navy that that I'm wearing right now and Kohl's. That's it, okay? <laughs> Nothing super fancy, but I'm like, please just buy yourself a pair of jeans. No, I'm fine. So you know what? You're on your own, okay? <laughs> if you want to go shoe shopping, I will absolutely go with you one of these days. That would be like the high point of my lifetime. <laughs> that way you can be the person that's in my ear. Being I'm not like, helping you buy it. those horrible pink plastic oh my god spice girl shoes that you sent to jim do you know whether or not jim actually kept them and brought them with oh, i have to see jim did you keep those things and bring them with you to europe i'm pretty <laughs> sure not you gonna didn't. text you we're gonna ask you'll text me you'll let me know <laughs> you'll let me know when you hear this there's a part of me that really hopes that he did even if it was on accident <laughs> and that he opened up his suitcase and was just like what the fuck like Mallory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're spice girl related you're in britain now like you're fine and they're coming back so there you go. Tell me what you want, what you really, really want. I want apparently more shoes. No, you don't. <laughs> no, I don't. I love not having a ton of shit, but I Bitch, clearly you need understand shoes. I need okay, shoes. Okay, my God. I need shoes. My running shoes. I do have a pair of running shoes, but oh, they're so bad yeah. and terrible and old. It's time. Point. It's time. And it's also time to get into it. Oh, now we're going to get in it. First things first, we have to honestly thank our lovely community of podcasters. Yes. And so we're thanking CDOT from the meaning, meaning of it all for showing us the light and allowing us to realize that, oh, shit, we can actually have two Yeti mics <laughs> and do our podcast with a fucking USB adapter. Like, so fucking simple that we couldn't think about it, but she was super smart to think about it and do it for herself. And... Thank you for sharing that information. I honestly super appreciate it because now we don't have to sit so close to each other. Yeah, And also we don't have to hear outside noises as much as we did before. So thank you so much. Bless you from the bottom (laughs) of our hearts. And we're going to take a photo to kind of show our new setup and all the wires that we now have accumulated in our showing how we podcast podcast like like this. this segment. 
<laughs> See if that actually turned out. God, that your eyes are closed. All right, we'll do it again. <laughs> we'll shoot it again. Eyes open. There we go. <laughs> Oh my fucking god! Why are they so blurry? Your hand is probably jiggling. I have to bring the tripod. Maybe next time. Well, I'm wiping away the okay the thing in case okay, that was blurry too. One more time. Your eyes are closed again. <laughs> I have them open. All right. Oh okay. my god. How did we do this? Well, the first two times. Oh, fuck if I know. Right, but I'm turning off okay. the okay. the light. We're just gonna go like this. Eyes open. Now you look like a serial killer, but that's cool. That's fine. And I look like I'm like trying too hard to smile. Oh my god! Well, that's how this we. This is podcast. how millennials. Yeah, I was just. <laughs> no, I just don't care. That Did works. It work? Okay, that works, right? I mean, my my face is completely washed no, out. You can't see <laughs> you. We don't podcast like this. We podcast horribly. Let's just. I'll do it at an angle. Oh, wait, but you don't get the mics. <laughs> that worked. Fuck me. It's fine. It's <laughs> you fine. Look so unhappy. I do. I look like ridiculously unhappy. I don't know why, because I feel like when I'm taking the picture, I feel like I'm really happy. Okay, let's try it one more time. Oh We're gonna get it right. We're gonna move. I feel like those stupid shit ass millennials <laughs> in a cafe who keep trying and trying and trying to take a picture of themselves to be like put on the internet and be like, I'm popular, but then and I'm eating a scone. We don't have to because, like, the zillennials or X people, they don't give a shit. They just post whatever. So I do. We can just do that, which is what I normally do. Should just be basis. serious? <laughs> I can't be serious. You <laughs> <laughs> look like we're murderers. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> we legitimately look like we we're going to kill someone. Oh, my God. Just send all of them to me. I'll figure it out. <laughs> and I'm 1%. Yeah. Five minutes or not. You're not going to get back, guys. Sorry. <laughs> this week, we are talking about Lane Moore, who is a comedian, a writer, an actor at this point. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they do some acting. Um, also wrote for The Onion, was an editor and writer, I believe, for Cosmopolitan. Cosmopolitan. Sex and Relationships. Yep. And I'm pretty sure that she's younger than I am, so just way more accomplished. Well, sure, but we're all accomplished in our own ways. We are. We're alive. Right. Mm -hmm. So her book that she came out with, I want to say last year, two years ago, I think it was last year. Yes. End of last year. And what was the full title? I know it's, it's How Not to Be Alone. You are so wrong. How to be alone oh. if you want to and even if you don't. And even if you don't. <laughs> so there you go. You're the one who actually initiated this book. So how did you hear about it? Well, I had read her article in The Guardian about Tinder and how, you know, what she learned about Tinder, what she learned about men through Tinder. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, well, I liked what she said there. And then as I saw that they had a little blurb about her book and then I started to kind of look at it. And I was like, oh, you know, that's cool because, you know, you and I – don't live in all we live in an alternative life where right. we don't have people in our lives we're not married we don't have children we don't have significant others at the moment and so it's kind of and i thought it kind of went in line with the podcast of how we're trying to bust down these myths of the fairy tale and it's okay to to forge out and be 
who you are on your own and and owning that and and being fine with that. And so I thought that this would be kind of a good way to talk about it. The interesting part I would say <laughs> about that is that she doesn't seem fine with it. Correct. I would say that was the biggest issue for me while reading this mm-hmm. book was that she didn't seem okay with being alone at all. And clearly it seems to be due to past mm-hmm. of how she was brought up, all of her issues there, um, which it made it hard more to relate to less because of her having a hard background, but also not getting the full detail of that background. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of... There's some things she wouldn't share. Yes, which, I mean, full on, Absolutely, completely 100%. understand that. There's no issue with that. But it does make the book harder to relate or to understand certain things because if you don't know even part of the story, it kind of makes it hard to to know why she is the way that she is necessarily. Because the first half of the book, A, was written in such a way that it was very sporadic. Thoughts kept bouncing back and forth around. A full idea would sort of be formed and then move to the next subject, which I think is part of her comedy anyway. Mm-hmm. Whereas the latter half of the book I actually connected and felt better with because I think that it was written out clearer. Sure. Still, that first half, a lot of it was really – I don't know if you felt the same way, but a lot of it was – I actually put in how often she said heartbreakingly sad Mm -hmm. and just heartbreaking in general because it was said so often that I can't tell if you're trying to say like, yeah, I get it. I'm a pathetic everything. And I – don't jive well with people who come across as that being like, yeah, I'm pathetic and I'm sad and I'm an idiot and I'm stupid. and But that's cool because this is who I am. And I feel you can say, yeah, I had a really heartbreaking past, but also like, because that, and that was the latter half of the book for me was that her finally being like, yeah, I had this really heartbreaking past, but like, look at all this optimistic that I have. I don't know. What did you feel about it? Well, coming at it from a different perspective, just because you and I have had different... Clearly different upbringings. ...childhoods, I understood that part more. And it was harder for me to read the first bits of the book just because I was like, oh, I totally get it, you know, having been in a a place of instability and um, dysfunction the way that she has been. Um, I do also understand and I get that it was slightly disjointed in terms of I did not think that the book was going to be so much about how family right. makes you who you are. It was more but like a memoir. Less when than. I think about it, I do think that that's your foundation point, right? So those are your four pillars and the rest of it's kind of built on top of that. So if your pillars are crap then the rest of everything that you're going to do in your life is going to relatively be crap unless you figure out how to like shore it up and end up in a show like Fixer Upper. And then you're like, oh, okay, well, I've got to like level this up and like, you know, add more ballast here and do a lot of different things to make sure your structure becomes stable and sound. So that part I, I understood and I resonated with a lot. It kind of made me pissed off at my family more so than I already am. <laughs> But um, rightfully so. I, I digress. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she had a very apparently very unsettling upbringing with an alcoholic dad, and you know, your family just kind of her family seems to have just tried to glide past it, glance over it, move past these things. But those things stuck with her, and that's the reason why she felt alone and feels still feels alone. Like it's a process. 
to feel that you can actually be vulnerable and show who you really are without having your safeguards up and knowing that no one will violate that. Right. And so that's difficult, especially when you're trying to have relationships with people because for Lane, which is very funny to me because I, as I've read in the past in our earlier podcast about when I was about her age going through the same things mm. and, and being a hopeless romantic and wanting these rom- this romantic love and wanting someone to just love me and understand me and do all of those things and then really crushingly finding out that that's just not how life is. Right. It's interesting for me to see that she was able to, is still able to be optimistic. All of that. Yeah, still have that weird like hope. And not even just hope. And it doesn't like that's the part that I had a hard part out with. It doesn't feel it's slightly and I'm not saying it in it's still any sort of shady way, but like it's almost unrealistic yes. in a way. Like she wants this unbounding, un- this blind, unbounding thing that can be out there. And I pray that it happens for her. And I pray it happens for all of Everybody. us. Everybody. Obviously. But, but living in the land of the real, that's just not right. how that works. So I kind of felt like, as I talked about in our flutter last week, that we probably are a little too cynical for this book. I, th- I would agree <laughs> with that. And I think that that's the reason why... I was having a hard time reading it is because as someone who did have a much more supportive background, Mm -hmm. it took a long time for her while reading the book to really kind of tell how bad it really was. Right. And I got it right away. You got it. Yeah. Clearly right away where I was like, okay, she keeps saying it was bad, but there's no, there's no foundation for why it was bad. She Mm -hmm. didn't have to say any, you know, for me, it was just kind of like, yeah, but what was bad about it that makes you however the way you are? And then she would shortly throw in throughout pepper. Yeah, add certain details that I was like, okay, now I fully get now that I mm-hmm. get where things were at. Because I'm like, I immediately, I, at one point, I was just like, was she molested? Was she, like, I kind of, sure, because there were so many things that were thrown in there that I was like, I, I don't know where the joke is and where the, you know, mm-hmm. where that point was. Um, and that was kind of part of it, too, was how much of this is her still not having grown, like you said, and how much of it is also like knowing, knowing this isn't realistic, but guess what? This is what I want. And so that's what I want. And I don't think at the end I, I really got that. an answer. I agree with you. I didn't get that either. What I got was still that I'm blindly hopeful that this mm-hmm. is going to be something that is going to work for me. That feels unrealistic in my eyes. It's not to say I know love exists because I have seen it. Sure. I have seen it. I know that I have my own issues, but I know that I have seen relationships. And this isn't like a surface relationship of like, oh, Jim and Pam and how they put it together. This is like I've seen the realistic part of it where it's like, yeah, they had six months of a part of a marriage that was really difficult Mm -hmm. and hard, but they stuck through it because they decided. Like, Because Mm -hmm. to me, love isn't just like a constant coast of this is what it is. It is a commitment. It is you work hard at it. Etc. Like I said, it took until the middle part of the book that I started really jiving with what she was trying to say and what she was trying to do. Um, what you know, trying to show forth of here are actual instances, and maybe that's the reason why, because it suddenly changed from vagueness of mm-hmm. here's things that's happening to a more substantial. I went on this trip. I went on this. Mm-hmm. You know, what did you think about her? Um, 
I found it to be, and I think that it's it's interesting because you might not have the same experience, but I where she kept finding these strangers who would embrace her mm-hmm. and having she had the ability or the knack or the magic or a goddess or the universe providing her with other people, alternatives to her family that she could open up to, but then she would still retreat and not really understand that this was a real blessing for her to be able to have well this ability to invite people who don't know you to see who you really are and to embrace that. That to me was kind of, I was just like, oh my God, look at all these gifts you're getting because I don't get those gifts, right? Like I don't have the ability to do that just because of who I am as a human. So I think it's wonderful. Like her light shines regardless of whether or not she's down in the dumps and feeling like shit and is in the doldrums. I think I know someone else who is sort of like that. There's that ability to get other people to invest in you mm-hmm. when you're not willing to invest. Sure. Um, but I think she's willing to invest, but she's, she's willing to, so but she's too scared. scared. Exactly. And I think that it's that's what she was trying to say. Sure. I think she was trying to say, also look at how broken I am mm-hmm. in the sense that I have right. these people who do this and I somehow still continue to fuck it up. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what she was trying to explain a little bit in there. Um which I do understand to a, to a point because, yeah, I've had pure luck also. Like, I've had this luck of, shit, I was going overseas. I was supposed to stay with a friend. That relationship yes, ended did. up ending. Mm-hmm. And someone else randomly stepped in and was like, oh, yeah, by the way, I happen to live in that area. Why don't you just, like, put your shit at my place and then mm-hmm. you can do whatever you need to do. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I sort of went there and then I, like, left and then I'm like, I feel kind of weird about this. I feel like I should have done more. I feel like, did I do too much or did not do enough? Like, it's just that weird, someone just stood up and was like, hey, yeah, do this. No big deal. And then I just kind of left. And then I was like, that, I feel like, was was I supposed to do more? Was I supposed, it's a difficult thing. And if knowing that for me as someone who had a pretty A-okay I can imagine as someone not want, willing to invest that it'd be right. even more difficult. But I also know that was the hardest part, I think, for me reading this is because I do know people who have that capability, but who also, for myself, anybody who really comes across as particularly needy, I, I look at it as more of I've got enough shit on my plate right now. I can't invest too much in that. And so I try to help as much as I can, and especially nowadays because that's who I grew up with. I grew up with a lot of people who wanted a lot of me, but then when it came down to it, they couldn't support me. And so I'm finally finding that balance and realizing it's okay for me to be like, no, because I felt like a horrible human being for not doing it, for not providing my 100% to everyone else and then not allowing myself, any of myself, sure. to do anything. So reading this, it was difficult in that sense because it was, okay, now I'm humanizing this type of person who comes across as someone who's really – who didn't have that upbringing and is being like, please, please, but love me. Please love me like because I'm, I'm worthy of love. And yes, you are clearly worthy of love. All of us are worthy of love and you definitely deserve it. But it makes it hard for anybody else trying to love themselves as well to give that energy and give back and forth. And I, I don't know if that makes sense at all. I mean, it does. And 
I had that experience with Bjorn because I've looked in the notes and I realized who was what. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I learned. So Get your white men straight. I got my whites together, <laughs> consolidated them right now. And when I was hanging out, because we weren't together, hanging out with Bjorn, it was that sort of a thing where he had a really beautiful childhood down in whatever the fuck, Minnesota, and didn't understand where I was coming from with my sadness, my depression, my family, like all of that stuff. Like could not understand it, but also could not, could not even fathom that anybody could ever be depressed in general. So kind of like Everett. Yeah, just like Everett. So it was just more like, oh, exactly like that. I was just Mm -hmm. like, oh my God, it's the same thing. So Lane, you and I are pretty similar in these regards where we've ended up with people who were incapable of providing Mm -hmm. us with what we needed because they had no fucking clue or concept. This was a thing, which is surprising to me. And also a real great indicator of the fact that like you should run (laughs) right away when you notice these things. Like if someone cannot cope with your anxiety or your sadness, your depression, the melancholy that you might feel at given points in time, run. They are never going to understand. They are never going to be able to give you what you actually need because they don't fucking understand. They well, just and they're not willing to understand. They really don't understand and they don't want to understand. It's just something that is unfathomable in their world. Like, what? You have parents who did what? You have, mm-hmm. uh, you feel what? You feel like so sad that the world is crushing in on you? You want to kill yourself? I don't understand. You know what I mean? Right. No even empathy. Which no, like, and, you don't and, have to understand. It's just being like, yeah, hey. If you can't be empathetic, very good, Mallory, that someone else is having these feelings and that is fairly fine and okay and natural and normal for them to have, then you need to run away from that person right away. Yep. I'm sorry. If you are in love with them, it's never going to work because they are never going to get it. There's nothing that you can do to change that. I, I limit that to a – and this is due to my own experiences because those people are so – it's not – you can call it self-centered. You can call it selfish. But their own experiences and what they consider their own truths have not allowed them to even think of breaking out of those mm-hmm. it's kind of like there's the door here's my home mm-hmm. everything's great and dandy in here they don't even think to be like there's fires outside right <laughs> my problem because it's great in here <laughs> you know or even to like let's say there aren't even any windows but they're like they don't even have the curiosity to look out to the look door, out the door. Mm-hmm. they don't even have that because they're like why would i things right. are great, great here you're right. Absolutely wonderful. great analogy. And so that's kind of where and I think that's why I have a hard time is because so much I was hurt in the past that I didn't – while I had the support in my family, at least with my parents, I didn't have that in my friendships. Mm-hmm. It was very much so me giving, giving, giving mm-hmm. and then not having somebody else be like, and here's the support that you need. And then when I would get those support later in life – I was kind of like, I don't know what you're doing. This isn't, right. this isn't you, you don't trust it. Mm-hmm. It's very much so kind of, I guess you could you could attribute to like Indiana Jones uh, when he is. I'm waiting for this. <laughs> when, uh, I'm trying to think of the, it's the third one. That's all I can really remember. Oh my God. Oh, I'm terrible. But when he is <laughs> going through to try to find the Holy Grail and he's, uh, I believe it's this one where he's like, he has to step on the right steps. Otherwise, the pieces like start falling 
And that's kind of where I feel, where it's kind of like you have to, you you step on the wrong fucking stone so many Mm -hmm. times and you're not going to start trusting the other stones around you Mm -hmm. because are they going to fall when you decide to be like, okay, I need your support right now. Both feet. Yeah, I need this Mm -hmm. right now. My entire life, I've been your stone. I've been supporting you, making sure that you don't fall. I'm in a fucking point right now that I need something because I am and whatever. And I mean, I've learned this past year a lot more about being my own stone, of hearing the thoughts, hearing the, the, wow, there's a lot of shit going on right now and being like, huh, all right, I'm not necessarily going to get the support that I that I expect from other people, which is also another one of my issues is expecting these from certain people and then being like, okay, you're not necessarily going to do that, so you need to do it for yourself. Mm-hmm. But you, but you still, but you need, need people you need encouraging you. Yeah. You, you still need, need that. Support. You still need a foundation underneath it, even if it's just silt, even if it's right. sand, even if it's muddy water. Someone being like, hey, you're not getting everything you need. So those tiny little spaces where you're like, okay, you I expected to get that. You know what, though? You can be your own cheerleader sure. right now. Let's do it. Because but, you kind of have to. But you still need it. You still need the other – you still need it. You still need you still people. Need it. You still need people regardless. Absolutely. And it's so funny because I um, went over to see our therapist yesterday, and she asked me this question about, so who's your support system <laughs> going to be when I make my trek back to New York? And I was like – I honestly didn't have an answer. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty sad. That I don't know who will be there to support me when I need support. When you're in New York. Yep. So it was really funny because it's like, oh, shit, that's so funny because we're literally coming here to talk about this the next day. And I could not give a name of anybody. Which is the first chapter, isn't it? Where it's like, I don't have anyone Mm -hmm. to put down for my... Yeah, exactly. And I highlighted it. I was like, Mm -hmm. me either. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it's super weird. I mean, it's weird for yep. me to know that, like, but at this day and age, I put my my parents down, sure. and I'm like, they don't even live nearby me. Yeah. Yep. What's gonna happen if I'm in a fucking car you accident? You're gonna be dying. Put me down, right? I know I can okay. put you down because so you you're my lovely everything. Yeah. I should just put you down. Yeah. You can put me down as your emergency contact. Okay, thank okay. you. And it's you're legit so here on this podcast. Like, I love you. You know that you could do the same. I know that you live with your wonderful roommate who would be that mm-hmm. too. But I put my heterosexual life partner down as my um, emergency contact. emergency contact. But my backup is still my family. It's still my mom. I know. But still, like I, you know, it's it at least depends. it's we either at least have that. Madeline or Hillary. It's like <laughs> guys, just so you know, case something happens, <laughs> this is happening. So it's pretty funny. Now that we've gotten through that. Oh, uh, so sad. But it is. It's really hard to know to be like, yeah, who is going to be your foundation? I think that's there in a point where she mentions later on in the book too of saying like, online friends are friends. But there is something to say, and I will always say this. I, it sounds horrible for me to even say the but, but there's a difference between having that online support and having that physicality of support. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's because I'm still in that weird realm for myself of because I'm the the start of that millennial of I know what a rotary phone is, but I also know exactly internet. And so that physicality means has much more importance to me than maybe someone who has grown up with fully nothing digital. else. Yeah, fully digital, where they're able and capable of having that emotional attachment to something. But 
for me, a lot of reality is still more of that physical I attribute. It. But I mean, think about it in terms of like our podcast and our podcast community. There right. are people that we've never met that I, got feelings I feel for. like if I, I, I feel like I know them. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like obviously when I went to see Joelle, yes. that it was just like immediate, like, oh my God, like we are kindred and it's amazing. Because even though I've never met them, I always feel that that connection mm-hmm, to them, mm-hmm. even because I listen to their podcast. And I think that's probably what makes other people think about that stuff, too, especially super hardcore fans of podcasts. But Or celebrities or in general. Or celebrities in general. But I don't, I mean, I kind of, I have a real, I have a realistic, you know. View of that. View of it, right. Like, we had, like, things in common and we're right. of the same age range and so those sorts of things you're not like, like me where if I met Neil Patrick Harris and I'd be like, I'll have your other baby. Right. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't be like, Idris, I'll be your second wife kind of a thing. I'd be like, oh, my God, it's Idris Elba. That's so cool. Like, I love you. You know, that kind of a thing, but not like... I love you. <laughs> I'm not. We're not there. You're not me. So, okay. but that's probably my analog upbringing. I don't know. <laughs> Knowing that there's a limitation and there's like a little bit of a is line. there though? Because yeah. I feel once you sort of like are able to get their hair pieces off of their hairbrush, that barrier breaks. That seems gross, and that's why I don't leave hair places. <laughs> People doing crazy things. I think that's a perfect time for us to have a quick break. Are you looking for a history podcast to grab some quotes for a last minute paper? Or maybe your presentation on Jane Eyre needs a punch up. Then do not listen to us. Do not. Like, we're begging of you. I'm Ashley. And I'm Kelsey. And we host Make It Modern, a podcast where we talk about history, literature, and all things made before the year 2010 in a way that would probably be frowned upon by any teacher. We basically delve into the past and stumble into the present. We discuss things like what type of rosé is appropriate for a medieval execution, and how we've all been bingleyed one time or another. So if you love hearing about people, places, and things with so many issues, they could be a Julia Michaels song, join us every Thursday on Spotify and iTunes. And be sure to follow us on Facebook at Make It Modern and also on Twitter and Instagram at capital M-I-M underscore podcast. Hi, I'm Heather. And I'm Rhonda. And we're two wine-loving, psych-nerd, long-distance friends who host the podcast Wine Mind, where each episode we break down a psychology topic while getting buzzed on a bottle of wine. And sometimes we make up words. Have you ever poured back a few glasses of wine and found yourself wondering, why is wine so awesome? Why is it so hard to make friends in adulthood? What's the difference between a psychopath and a sociopath? If so, then Wine Mind is the podcast for you. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. And check out our website at winemindpodcast.com. You can also find us on the social medias as at winemindpodcast. So uncork a bottle and join us. Cheers! And we are back. Wow! Super fast, wasn't it? I just it? got to gulp my wine. <laughs> How did you feel about their portion where they talked about TV couples who made them <laughs> believe love? It's so funny that that's like right here what I'm looking at. <laughs> oh, my God. So I literally laugh because obviously our podcast is all about busting this myth right. of like the fairy tale romance. And here she is like, I'm all for it. I Give know. me my Jim Halpert. Give me my Leslie Nopes. Give me my okay, all these people. That. 
Leslie Nope and Ben Wyatt are my forever loves. This is my one trope that I'm like, but they have it. That it just feels so realistic. <laughs> it's one of like when she mentioned Jim Halpert, and I was like, really? Mm-hmm. And then she said season one through four, and I'm like, thank That's you. Sure. Because after that, that's when things kind of get weird and shady. They're the one few that legitimately, like, after they get together. Guys, you should see how hopeful her face is right now. <laughs> they're her, like, my her only eyes hope. are glowing. And they're she's my so only happy. Hope. They are. <laughs> There's a reason I can literally watch Parks and Rec over and over and so over and over and over again. So basically, your Tinder profile will be, do you watch Parks and Rec? Are you Leslie and Ben? I'm Leslie, you're Ben, or I'm Ben and you're Leslie. <laughs> Fuck it. They're the only people, yeah, uh, my Tinder profile will just be pictures of Leslie Nope and various different stages of her career. <laughs> oh, my God. I was just go. I read and I was just like, oh, my God, this is so Mallory. Just that one. Everything else I was like, eh. Well, she did adopt a dog, so that felt like you too. <laughs> Anyway, your your thoughts. Yeah, again, um, and I, I hate to say this because I don't want to discount her feelings and her thoughts and her notions on anything. I don't want Clearly. to burst her love bubble and all that stuff like that. Because it is beautiful when you think about it's it. It's very lovely to think about. And I think about it like as far as where that wall is. Like that's how far away it is <laughs> from where. I had to swallow my wine because that was going to go out the nose. <laughs> Like, it's a beautiful, lofty goal, right? Yes. But life has shown me that's not – life has shown me, yes. right, that that's just not plausible, attainable. Yeah. And that's great. Like, okay, great. It's beautiful to have that there. And it's beautiful to see these great depictions of love on television and in movies – that we can aspire to, but I also think they fuck us up as humans because we think that that's what it's going to be like. Like, I totally understood and resonated with with Lane all when she was talking about, like, waiting for the grand gesture, waiting for the the moment where someone's knocking on your door and realizing that they made the mistakes and doing all those things. Mm -hmm. Well, fucking A, I sort of had that happen to me, and it was still fucked up. Like, it's all (laughs) just a mind fuck. And once you realize that that's, a beautiful Vaseline on the gels reality, but what is real and things that actually happen to you as a human aren't exactly that opaque. Mm. You're great. It's it's a real delicate dance and a balance, and there's a line. Do you think this is? I think the part, the reason why it was harder for me to read is because it's like she was writing everything out mm-hmm. and had. But was also showing all the red signs of being like, reality check is needed. Sure. Yes, and absolutely. Because between Everett and Max, her other dating experiences, everything else. The biggest thing to me was like, I felt like she needed our therapist at certain points in time because I was like, are you actually getting the help that you Mm. need? Because you, and I'm not, I want to say you should have known by now, but. Well, because everybody's in their own point when they know. But sure. there are points, like, once she started going through the everything, I was like, okay. And then the maxing, immediately I was like, what the hell are you doing? Like, you're making the same mistakes over and over mm-hmm. again, which is what we all do. We all replicate the same yep. mistakes over and over again until we learn from them. Well, and it's until – not even just learn, but just being aware. Because sure. clearly, while they were writing this piece, there were points that they said, mm-hmm. like – Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I was aware that at this point, but she I made couldn't it perfectly stop. Clear. Like she couldn't yes, stop she doing what she was already right. doing. She made it perfectly clear that she knew that it was wrong. Right. That all the red flags were there, but and she then just she kept still hoping. went anyway because she had that hope. Yep. And it was just, 
it's beautiful to have that hope, but also to what end are you self-sabotaging yourself? Right. But then also because of your past and because of everything else that you've worked up. That's and why you sabotage of yourself. You just because you are self you're just self-flagellating. You're just you're just beating your own self up because you hate yourself so much. Right. Between that and I mean this might be projection as well of also maybe it's this is also what I deserve because right. that's the self like Yeah, the yeah. self of well, clearly this is what I can get, but I can still make it romantic. I'm still going to do. Right. And I totally resonated with when when she was with Everett and I'm going to plan this huge big day for his birthday. Oh, that made me so mad. And doing everything she could. And I, I saw it right away from the beginning. Yep. I was like, it's oh, not sweetie. not going to work out. I'm like, you are going to set up yourself for expectations because I do that all the mm-hmm. fucking time. You do all these amazing all things. Do. And then you assume this is going to be the clear result. Mm-hmm. And that's not what's going to happen. And, and and ripping that part away from yourself of being like, stop assuming the result and make sure that your investment is worth whatever may or may not come from that. It's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard to know. Yeah. I'm going to give a good example. So there was a point with Sven. See, I'm getting the names yeah. right. Yeah. First one. To be fair, where, all white men look alike. Well, I, I mean, mean, like, let's be real. These are very different because, like, one is super, super pale and the other one is tanner. Anyway, I di- we digress. So I was – when I was with Sven, he was having a birthday. And we had been dry romantically for oh – my God, I feel like – a number of years at that point in time. Aww. At least two. So um, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this thing. Like, I know that he likes lobster. So I went on, like, the um, Great American Lobster Company or whatever, and I got, like, fancy lobsters from South Africa and all kinds of stuff like wow. that. And I made lobster tails, and I, like, did all of these things. And, like, I made a beautiful meal, and I was, you know, I was like, okay, and then we're going to get it. In, because yeah, it's been a while. It's his birthday. It'll be great. Sex, and so, sex, like, I sex, do sex, all sex, this sex. stuff, and he's like, "Yeah, this is a great meal, and I really can't because I'm full." Wow. And I was like, okay. "How about in an hour?" And like- I was like, "Okay, so okay." <laughs> he wasn't cheating on you, right? No, no. I, this is this was my. I just it must have been his drinking. My folly. But, yeah, and I guess, you know, having that heavy meal of, like, lobster tails with butter and potatoes or whatever probably wasn't great combo. I should have just made a salad. I don't know. But you I shouldn't really have done anything. Okay, do not really put that on you. And I think I even got, like, lingerie or something, like, fancy to put on. And I was just like, oh, this is not okay. okay. And then we just watched television. <laughs> In your defense, though, so there is – that weird when you buy lingerie. I have heard before when you buy lingerie, fancy lingerie, you should never buy it for a partner. You should buy it for, for yourself. yourself. Mm-hmm. Not only because of the fact of saying like it makes you feel sexier and stuff, but also like if anything were to end, that way you're not constantly associating with it with it. Yes. a mm-hmm. past yeah. partner. Most of those things, all of those things are gone. <laughs> they don't fit anymore, but also they're gone. But also like because of that, because of that whole reason of when you do buy it for someone else, I, I mean, back to Sex in the City. Mm-hmm. Samantha, when she would frequently, when she finally was in a relationship, and she every time she would ever do something for one of them, and they would kind of be like, mm, or they wouldn't show up, and then she'd be like, what the fuck am I doing? Why am I doing this right. then? If I'm doing this huge mm-hmm. romantic gesture for you, what does it mean mm-hmm. if you're not even going to enjoy it? Right. But also, to be fair, I mean, 
she wasn't into huge romantic gestures. So to randomly do one. But when she did them, she, because that really was like her taking her way. Full guard down, right. all the walls down to the studs, and her saying, Here, this is who I am, and this is me, and love me, Richard. And he didn't. Right. And, but also the fact that, I mean, she also did it with what's his face, the young model with actor Smith? guy. Yeah, Smith. She did that a couple times when she did sushi all over herself. Sure. But still, it's one of those things where, like, if you're not constantly doing it and they're not expecting it. Right. Like, it's also, like, how can you blame them? Because right. you're not ever doing gestures. Sure. So why would they expect you to do it right mm-hmm. now? Like, it is it is very much so. Like, this huge, it's in your head. Yep. You have these expectations. You set those expectations. And then all of a sudden you're disappointed when they don't happen. Mm-hmm. And you're like, did you even set those up from the goal, get-go, mm-hmm. when you're having this conversation with whomever you're dating? No, and you like, hey, by the way, it's supposed to be, like... Right. You're supposed to recognize, it's, oh my gosh, you did this amazing thing for me. Oh, I can't believe it. And that's what we want because we're conditioned to believe that's what we want. You're conditioned to believe that you meet this person. It's mm-hmm. an instant spark and all of a sudden you have ESP. Yep. Yeah. You know what I, you know. You, you know exactly my needs. Know my I know needs. your needs. Yes. Huzzah, we're living together or forever. because with Bjorn, I, we did have kind of a weird, mm. but I should say I had kind of a weird um, intuition intuition and connection with him that I, it would be that kind of a thing where we didn't have to talk about it or we would think about the same thing and it'd be the sa- exact same thing that we're thinking of at the mm. same time. Those weird ass things were, were happening. And I was just like, oh my God, this is it. This is it. This is it. And then it wasn't. <laughs> And then it wasn't. So I will give the story, and it's very embarrassing of the last time when um, Bjorn and I were together, and I had gone down to visit him, and um, he was like, you know, we were talking ahead of time, all sexy talk or whatever. He's like, you know, it would be really cool if you, like, shaved, if you did a landing strip or whatever. That'd be really cool. And I was like... Thanks, porn. (sighs) Fine. So I did... And ow. I mean, I didn't go waxing. I just shaved it. Oh, okay. But still, myself, ow. but still. But I went down there. I was like, bye And then, you know, things happened. And then we broke up during that trip. Men think they know what they want. They say what they want. But and then they realize it's not. Of that, that that no, was but why. I'm just saying in general. Like, that just reminds sure. me of the fact of guys being like, uh, going back to where mm-hmm. that documentary where yep. they're like, you don't think you want it, but then you see it in mm-hmm. porn. But then it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, but when you get it in real fucking life, right. you're kind of like, oh, but that's oh. not really what I but want. But I appreciate the effort. <laughs> and it's like, of course you didn't fucking want that because it wasn't a reality. Right. Welcome to reality. Okay, continue. So after we broke up, nothing ever grew down there again. Oh my God. Really. So it's not like It's like, like eyebrow like, shit where like you pluck and you're like, and it didn't grow. Pretty much. Back. Like it filled in ish but it's i my hair doesn't grow down there as much as it did before oh my god yeah fuck you dude that's terrifying (laughs) and you know whatever like hormones and stuff like that but still from that point in time that was way early on like it never was the same again (laughs) so ladies don't shave your parts for no mans no but sometimes i always think about my gynecologist like (laughs) I do. I mean, kind of, I always shave for yeah, that. I know. I'm like here. Man's that would make this or woman. But still, even still, like I just shave the sides. Right. I'm really just kind of like a little bit of the bush. The I'm just going to trim. Yeah. Make but it I'm so not, that like, way. making it a fancy design for you or whatever. But it did. It never grew back the same. Like it's just pretty much like, yeah. 
And then Which, started falling out. Yay! I mean, maybe it's been the wine, but also shout out to my last uh, checkup appointment that I had <laughs> to the lady who had to go in because she was like, let's be, I want to be really conscious of the strings that you have for your, you know. <laughs> but I do. I think it's really kind of her. She was super, like, self-conscious of making sure that she wasn't going to rip out my IUD. My IUD. <laughs> and she's just like, this is what I'm doing. And I was like... You are amazing. Thank you for that. I appreciate someone who takes the extra time. Thank you. <laughs> Shout out. Get yourself a doctor, gynecologist, whomever, who takes that extra time. Who knows you. <laughs> To the chapter because I had a few that were in here of all this pain must be worth it because you're supposed to be my soulmate because this is a very to me this chapter feels very self-aware what and knowing uh, chapter 14 oh, yeah. so it's very self-aware of yeah yes. of knowing where it's like okay I know clearly that I'm going through all of this pain all of this oh, discomfort this was the max yet, yeah she knew Yes, mm-hmm. and I've, I mean, that Max. <laughs> what a bitch. I just, yeah, I mean, I had quite a few different things that were that were highlighted within that chapter. I will give this one because it was the best part. If you see a woman who is working yes. super hard to become who she's meant to be and to achieve the things she wants to achieve, and you have nothing to add in her life or to give back to her in any way, Please just leave her the fuck alone. I had that highlighted as well. A fucking man. And I think that that's (laughs) part of the reason why they don't, a lot of people don't do that though, is because they're hoping to soak some of that energy. Yeah. They want it. They need it. And that's a lot of the people that I realized were in my life Mm. were trying to suck it out. Mm -hmm. And me being like, why aren't you also here? You keep saying that you want to be here. Why aren't you here? Instead, you're just sucking it for me. Right. But one of the saddest ones that I kind of got uh, that I highlighted was to the point where I, like so many times before, wished she didn't text me every three seconds from sunup to sundown and send me so many videos because it felt like her whole life revolved around me. And in her mind, we were already married, a dynamic that has marred my relationships before. Adam from high school all over again. And I thought that was interesting because from what I read through everything that she wanted, I was like, but it felt like you wanted You wanted that? Adam, yeah, in the beginning. He was super nice and she was like, yeah, but no. Not even just Adam, but like also Max. Well, like she kept saying, I want this person. And to me, I'm like, it sounds like you keep saying you want someone where your their entire lives revolve around you because that's the grand rom- romantic gesture. Right. Well, that's the but Everett did a lot of that but didn't support her and was there jealous was that. of her of her achievements. Right. I mean, Whereas the whole Max wasn't jealous of her achievements, but still wanted all that she could take from her and wanted to right. to con- to construct it in the ways that worked best for her, but just and not for Lane. Right. But just also in that point there, saying, I wish she didn't text me every three seconds and mm-hmm. stuff. And I was like, but it feels like that's what you want. You keep saying that you want someone who's, who's there all the time. Constantly yeah. eminent in your life. But yes, those were the clear differences where like, yeah, she was getting flowers every single day. There was not one date that they didn't go out of that he did not bring flowers to her and that kind of thing. And whereas with Max, it was different from that aspect where she was clearly as 
messed up with whatever was happening uh-huh. as well in her own life that she wanted a lot of things but clearly could not get no, back. No, she's a sociopath. So – I there just was, thought that was interesting. What are your thoughts? There is something else that she said there, too, is that I hate in so many ways on a deeper level that so many women are still set up to think that housewives from the 1950s helping our husbands negotiate a raise while stuffing their stuffing down their own ambitions because this sucks and I want my money back. <laughs> <laughs> and by money back, I mean I want all the hours, all the money, yes. everything that I spent on you to help support you and lift you up mm-hmm. that I didn't get back in return, and which is true. Like – Women as a whole, this is what we do. Like, and and I and I equate this even with friendships because I do that too. Where it's like, okay, well, you guys need this and that and the other. Well, I'm gonna try to help you figure this out and let me help you do all the things you need to do. And then when it's my turn, they're like, no, I don't have time because I'm figuring my own. Because I got my own shit to deal with. And great, but you know, it's kind mm-hmm. of like, okay, so then I'm just out here swimming in the middle of the ocean again, doing what with I'm no doing. No fucking life jackets. Yep. Great. So fuck you. How very Titanic of you. you. Well, I didn't say adore. The difference is, <laughs> is that you were Rose, but you took the life jackets, but you gave them away. Exactly. It's like, here, you take it. You take it. You need it. You and, have babies. Right. You got whatever. Like, and at okay, the very end of the day, it's like, you me. can't even fucking hold me with your life jacket like, so that I can damn, be here. Like a little string of it. Fuck you then. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of where it was at. The main takeaway I did take from that chapter that I really did enjoy was when she was talking about like you're allowed to have a multitude of feelings and how you act in your emotions. And the the quote was, if I'm funny right now, I might be really sad in two hours. And that doesn't change the fact that I'm funny. It just means that there's been a shift. And that's huge that I think a lot of people forget about human nature. Sure. Because everybody always feel – you feel like people always have to be on and the expectation is that you always have to be on in order to be normal. Yes. And that's not how it works. Like there's an ebb Mm -hmm. and a flow. Like something might happen to trigger you into feeling a specific way and then you might listen to a song and be like, yeah, I'm better. And then the next five seconds you might be like, oh, shit, I'm back down here. Like it is literally – just a roller coaster ride of emotion. And if you don't understand that that's just how people are, some of us are more wired that way than others, mm-hmm. then you should probably walk away from those people and just spare them the agony of putting them through this whole like dirty dance that you're getting ready to do to fuck them over. And to the people who are going through that of realizing, oh shit, like I don't want to have to consistently be on all the time. You don't have to. someone who I was. I, I felt like I had to be that constantly all the time. And it is really hard because when you finally decide you're not going to be on all the time and that you're going to make that shift, and then all of a sudden the people in your life are like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Why are you not being on? Why are you not doing – it's really hard to work through that because you suddenly realize that some of your friends aren't the friends you thought they were due to the fact that your realization is, oh, they wanted me here because I was constantly be able to do this for them right, and now I they're can't. realizing I can't. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard. It is worth it. You start to find the people who you should have in your life. Do it. And that number might seem really, really low. small. Yeah, at first. I'm still in the but low. But take it. But take it because it's well worth – I mean, people keep thinking that quantity is better than quality, but I find that it's incorrect. Not, yeah, don't waste your time on that. You need the people who are going to be the quality because in the long run – it's better to have the quality of people who will say yes from the get-go rather than the quantity of, wow, I've gone through 15 people and no one's here and ready for me. Okay. This will work. 
it makes it harder. So that brings me to this other part that she said in the same chapter. It was actually a really good chapter Mm -hmm. um, where she was still talking about Max and breaking up with Max. And she said, I wanted to push her away, make her leave, but I also didn't want to be alone. And I remember that feeling, well, the feeling of being held in the arms of the one who hurt you and still thinking this is better than nothing. Yeah. And honestly, well, I've already read this part in a previous podcast right. about what happened when Bjorn and I ended up ending things was mm-hmm. that I was sleeping on his floor and I just figured like, well, I guess this is it. Maybe I should give it another roll in the hay because this is probably the last time and, and better to do that than to not have the thought or memory of doing of having a physical interaction or being with someone and at the end of the day it's probably better for you just to not have that fucking interaction because it's just one more level of hurt that you have to deal with that fucking sucks and you have to also then spend time to get over and down the li- down the line it doesn't make any sense it's just easier to rip as um, peter smith always says Rip the Band-Aid off yep. and and try to move forward. And that's the bravest thing that you could probably do and the most honorable thing that you can do for yourself in situations like that. And you have to look at it for yourself, not and for take, the other and person. And you're looking at it as a survival. It's survival for you and not survival for them because guess what? They could give a fuck about you and you should give a fuck about you. And so therefore you should just fucking survive. They'll survive. They'll be fine. They're right. not thinking about it the same way that we no. are. They're just, just like, whatever. And because it's they'll, fine for them. They'll take it. If you want to sit there and after they've dumped you or whatever, and you still want to have sex or you still want to give them a blowjob or you still want to give head or do whatever, they'll take it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But then how do you feel mm-hmm. demeaned at the end of the day? You don't need that because that's just something that lingers with you and not with them. They could give a fuck. It's just a physical act. But for us, it's something deeper Therefore, I say, fuck all that and just walk away in the beginning and and give yourself that dignity of saying, no, I'm doing this for me. It seems super selfish, but at the end of the day, what I've very clearly learned, and it may sound cynical, is that you need to take care of yourself because not everybody is going to do that for you. No, no one gives a shit about you but you. You can't expect it, whether it be a company, whether it it be a person, whether it be anything else. Because even the bestest of best of of friends Mm -hmm. could be going through their own shit that they can't do it for you. They don't have the the capacity. Exactly. And so they they might have it later. Sure. But But remember that that depending on who you're attaching yourself to, they are probably very flawed as well and are probably working on things themselves. And so giving up even a little tiny chunk of themselves is a huge sacrifice to them. And it's probably still not what you need. And so you have to kind of understand that. And it's hard to forge it alone and to be like, well, okay, but take the chunk of the person of what they're giving you. Use that to kind of buoy you forward to the next level, to the next stage, and then work there till you get strong enough and then go to the next phase. You know, it's just kind of like a step-by-step process. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Going into that for her very last chapter that she had of how to be alone, mm-hmm. which was chapter 15, that was the part that got more emotional for me. Because that's when she, I'm gonna cry and stuff. Because that's when she talked about her dog. Oh, of course. I was gonna say, this is Mallory when she bought the dog. Yeah. Because she ended up adopting and fostering, and it was just as hurt as she was. 
Oh, here we go. It is. The waterworks are going to come. Oh, 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 dog but moms. my dog did do that for me. Mm-hmm. Everyone told me no. Mm-hmm. What the fuck are you doing? Why would you take care of someone else when you can't clearly take care of yourself at this moment? Mm-hmm. I did she that. She allowed me to do that. Mm-hmm. She allowed me to, because with an animal, it's very different than a human. They don't have that selfish nature of all the complications that we currently have. So knowing that you have that immediate, because you're not going to get that from a human necessarily. Like the expectations with a dog is very different from an expectation of a human. You could literally say, we're celebrating my dog's birthday who doesn't understand birthdays and they don't get anything. But guess what? You hand them a fucking treat, you hand them a gift, and they're like, cool, this is the best thing ever. (laughs) You are the best human. I love you. And you get the reaction Every time. Every fucking time. Because they love you. just using a dog to mask. Kind of, yeah. There's that way. But then also, (laughs) in the same respect, I mean, she taught me true unconditional love. I mean, if you're trying to potty train at fucking 3 a.m. and she pisses all the way down the stairs because she can't make it to get it outside and you put her outside, I'm not blaming the dog. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, guess what? We're potty training right now. I'm going to clean up this massive amount of pee. And it's a sigh. And you clean it up and you go back to bed. Like, that's kind of what it is. Whereas it's different with the humanity because, I mean, you don't ducks. care about it as much. <laughs> right. Like, fuck you. Clean your own piss up, right? <laughs> fuck that. I don't have time for all this. I don't have time to take right. care of you and worry about you, which is kind of fucked up. It is kind okay. of really fucked up. I mean, it's a codependent relationship. <laughs> yeah. All of animals are. In Except this. they don't reciprocate your codependency. No, they don't. Well, they but they do, but they don't. Mm-hmm. It's just a weird. But it is one of those things where it's just that's where I got more emotional, where I was like, sure. for sure. I knew I that. completely understand that aspect of it because where a human can't necessarily give back in that respect there is that connection of when I look at Indigo and she looks at me and she's just kind of like you can see that she's like I love you cool I'm gonna go take a shit over here though like yeah. I'm gonna go outside because you're gonna feed me you're gonna do whatever you're <laughs> right. not gonna let me suffer unless you're a sociopath so there you go right so I really enjoyed that aspect and then at the very very uh, one of the end comments that I had which I think is hard for everyone, and I do believe in it, but I think that you have to truly believe in it in in dating to keep going the way that she's going. I think this is the point of her, why she is able to be the hopeless romantic that she is. Um, It was, be the person that you've been waiting for. I know it sucks, but what's the alternative? Complaining about it? As much as I validate that life choice and find myself there often, it's exactly like falling down in the street and crying for someone to pick you up because you're in pain. It'd be great if they would, but they're your legs and you have to pick yourself up or you'll just stay there forever. So that's, I think, the small bit that I was like, okay, like you understand it in that respect of even the beginning part was unbelievable in a lot of ways because she kept saying like I know I'm heartbreakingly sad look at me I'm pathetic well like the dog right, right. like I'm a heartbreakingly sad dog someone pick me up and take me please, in and please, love please, me please 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 mm-hmm. please and so she did for the dog that she couldn't do for necessarily herself sure. and now she can do for herself mm-hmm. and being like yeah you can be the person and I believe that in everywhere not just love where it's like yeah sure, you absolutely. need to be the person that you want to see because if you keep continually saying you want to see a change and you're not doing it yourself right. what's, what's the, the point? fucking point right. so I do think that that's like how you be alone is by saying like be the person you want to be even if you can't be with someone else 
be the person that you constantly want to do. However, I do think that there need to be boundaries. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's the hardest part of it because even though I want to be the person that I want to be and that I want to see around in other people, they're not thinking like you. Exactly. And you have to make sure that you protect yourself. Right. You still have to protect yourself. And I think that's where maybe the point was lost for me a little bit Mm. was knowing that, yeah, I want to be the person that I can be, but you also have to understand that like it, it was exhausting. I mean, through therapy, especially talking about what happened to us in 2016, And knowing the shit show that has occurred since then, you're not going to be able to have a conversation with someone who cannot think outside of their own box. Mm -hmm. The person that I want to be would be someone who can consistently change, make the world a better place. But if you were trying to have a conversation with someone that is not allowing that to happen, you also have to be like, okay, the person that I want to be is let that go. (laughs) You know, you have to have a really good definition of what that is and what those boundaries are because otherwise you will be lost in it and you will repeat the history that you do not wish to repeat I guess is my point what about you so she also says it's probably after this your particular portion of it but that I still have fears but I still have fears that maybe I don't get a soulmate the way that everyone else has them maybe I don't get to belong the way that I want to I fucking hope not but I'm still recovering right now and it can be hard to believe him and if in the end I don't get that then what what is left the only answer is that I ha- I have is that I am so it's just basically you it's all about you and regardless of whether or not it works out in the way that you envisioned it many years ago or you envisioned it three years ago, if you envisioned it, six months ago. Regardless of whatever happens, as long as you are the person that you want to be, then that's all that really matters Mm -hmm. in the end of it all, right? Because you just have yourself. And if someone else decides to be like, hey, that's pretty fucking cool, then that's great. You know, and they accept that for what it is, awesome. And that's really what you want is if someone to be like, That's who you are. I can see you and you don't have to put on makeup or you don't have to put on a wig. You don't have to do fancy heels and, you know, all that shit. Awesome. I like who you are and what you are and what you're about. Awesome. You didn't vote for Trump? Even more awesome. So, you know, and she says at the end, I'm alone perhaps. Sure, yes, but I'm here. I'm still fucking here. And that's the point of it all, really, is that you're still surviving. You're still thriving. You're still striving. So regardless of anything that happens, you know, if you feel suicidal, if you feel super depressed, if you feel super anxious, all of those things, if you can get past that and it's a day-to-day struggle and Lord knows I know because I struggle day to literal day, we're still here. We're still creating something. We're still talking about something. We're still wanting to be better and to do better that's all we can ever ask for as humans and it is okay if we don't get Jim Halpert and I guess that's the hard point is knowing that you can't get Jim Halpert (laughs) (laughs) honestly I don't think I could he was a very disingenuous person towards the end there I think that the hardest point for me and I think I mean we've talked about this before on a previous podcast that we used to do the idea of hope Mm -hmm. Because when you call it that, when you define it as this is what hope is, I mean, for most people after 2016, it was kind of like, okay, there is no hope. It's gone. I don't know what you're talking about Mm -hmm. because 
And look at what's happened subsequently. Still hopeless. I mean, yeah. I mean, well, no, you don't have to apologize because I think that, I mean, people have different definitions of hope because people look at the Women's March. Look at the hope we have. And it's like, okay, that's not the hope there. It's nice to know that we have this many people who can band together, that it's like, okay, I don't have to look at my next door neighbor and be like, "Mm, Mm hmm, do you wish that I didn't have human rights? Mm -hmm. Like it's... It can be nice in that respect, but I think that it's either redefining hope or being able to create like that that job of constantly reminding yourself. Create the creating, expectation. Right. Create the expectation, but also giving yourself something else to look forward to, whether you define that as hope or not. Mm-hmm. Because like you said, like we're creating, we're doing – it's like, okay, so all of these other bridges have definitely burned down over here. Um, that doesn't mean – I don't have something to get across this river. There's going to be something right. else. Like, And if you decide that that's considered hope, that's fine. Still push. That's but your drive. That's your ambition. It is. So I think that's that's the hard part of knowing and accepting yourself, which is the worst and hardest thing to ever do. Absolutely. 100%. I will say I did read the acknowledgments. Oh, yeah? And um, I'm going to go with this because this is something that we've been arguing about for early on in our podcast is she says to John Cryer for being incredibly funny and kind and supportive and perhaps just most important, Ducky. Oh, I know. I saw that. <laughs> Actually, what was kind of funny for me when I was reading the acknowledgments. She picked Ducky. <laughs> she picked Ducky. For me, when reading the acknowledgments, I was like, oh, we're just going to name off every yeah, celebrity that we know. That we know yeah. <laughs> I got that part too, but this <laughs> resonates. You really more. wanted that. Yeah. Uh, choose yourself. I don't care. Molly Ringwald, it doesn't matter. You choose yourself, girl. We picked Ducky. Mm-mm. All of us did. Mm-mm. Boom. He was a misogynistic dickhole. Let's just be real. Ducky! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you everybody for paying attention. Was there any last notes you want to give before we head on out? No, I think. We did a pretty good job. Adopt and spay your pets. <laughs> Do that and uh, go to therapy. Take yes. care of yourself. Create a, a really diverse, supportive foundation for yourself. It doesn't have to be your family because let's be real, it's not always your family. And even so, when you try to create your family, sometimes that family is not Sometimes that either. family is not going to be there for you and then you have to continue forward. So don't ever give up. Make your family. Be well, everybody. We love you. Thank you so much. Deuces. Cheers.